So David um, has been a friend of Cornerstone for quite a long time now. Yes. Um, built the relationship very early on. Compassion actually built it through John Cullen years ago and David uh, came and, and took over. So we're just going to ask David a few questions sure. about his ministry. Good morning, everybody. Wait, phone's upside down and back to front. See, I've got interview questions. It feels really awkward. <laughs> David, yes. how long have you been with Compassion? Uh, in two weeks, it will be seven years. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, it does. Mm. And so what, what I would just really want you to explain is what it is that attracted you to actually be part of Compassion? Yeah, well, for um, the first... Well, before I joined Compassion, I was a pastor and I pioneered the church in Adelaide and I was the senior minister there for 25 years. And I started with a full head of hair and then things started to disappear. And um, what attracted me to um, Compassion was, firstly, I knew it was time to reposition. I still go to that church when um, I'm not visiting other churches. And uh, I was attracted to the fact that it's kingdom business. They've got what we call the three C's, and that is we are Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. The Christ-centeredness is that we are a Christian ministry. We do not shy away from that. We believe that the name of Christ is the power of God unto salvation, and we're very forthright in that. Child focus, we believe in children. Our ministry is to children, is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And so uh, our focus is very much on children. And we're church-based. We work with over 8,500 churches in the 27 developing countries that we work in. And we work through the local church. Local churches like this in Australia and in the 27 developing countries, we work with evangelical, cross-denominational churches that bring the love of God to those children. Yeah. So that's what attracted me. I was very yeah. enthralled by it. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. And so, obviously, the world had seen something recently, in recent years, called COVID. Yeah. Uh, could you just explain to me how that affected child sponsorships? Was there any drop in child sponsorship? or had Well, that's a very interesting question because um, we didn't see a drop. In fact, we, we moved further ahead. Um, in, um, in the world now, we sponsor near on two and a half million children, so that's wonderful. And it's through people like yourselves, yeah, <laughs> praise God, that sponsor children that's made a massive difference. And here in Australia, we have over 80,000 supporters that sponsor over 120,000 children. So it's, um, it's wonderful. However, COVID in those developing countries, the poor are always at the bottom of the list and they've been dropped even further. However, I'm pleased to say that we have given out over, I think it's over 10 million hygiene kits and food parcels to uh, those families that we um, are connected to through sponsorship. That's actually pretty amazing. Mm. Um, COVID had that effect in, in terms of 
people and sponsorships and stuff yeah. like that, which is actually good. It increased. Yeah. Uh, what about visiting? Uh, say, say if there's someone here who has a child, can they visit them now? Oh, that'd be wonderful. Um, we've, uh, we've, we stopped all our visits when COVID started and we've not quite got back to that yet because we're still waiting on what we call the field. That is um, the um, people who are compassion in the different countries that we work and we're waiting for them to say it's clear to come across because our main aim is to keep people safe when we take them across to uh, the different countries that we work in. So I'm hoping in 2024 that we get back into taking people back to the field. Yeah, and I did a trip with David a few years ago and it was very eye-opening just to see um, what is happening, first of all, with the projects that they do, uh, but the areas that it was targeting. And I would just say, if you have the opportunity, as it comes up, very worthwhile. Yeah. Very worthwhile. It, it honestly uh, breaks your heart. Yeah, so David, I just wanted to talk about one more thing. Um, the critical intervention projects. Could you please explain to us what they are? Yeah, we have sponsorship and that's our main, main game. But we also have critical intervention, which is like community uh, programs and projects like um, fresh water, um, sanitation, health um, programs. That um, There may be a community. And one of the biggest killers amongst children is fresh is not having fresh water. So we have critical interventions where we pull the money together, find the places that need them, whether it's fresh water, toilets. Just recently we did some toilets in Bangladesh and up to that point there was one toilet for 3,000 people. Now they have 20. So it's still very low, but it's a lot better than one toilet for 3,000 people. You can imagine the queue. Um, so um, those critical interventions are critical, where there's critical needs that we want to go in there. And it can be as, as low as $12 a month. That's $3 a week that you can put in, and it goes into a pool of money with others, which is then used to relieve a community. Yeah, and that's the power of that corporate giving, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's wonderful. So, David, uh, without further ado, I'll hand it over to you. And, Lovely. And uh, bless you for coming and being part of our service this morning. Thank you for having me. Now, you did say I had to finish at four o'clock, didn't you? That's a joke. Don't leave. Um, on your chairs, you've got some pictures of some children there. Before I move into the Word, I'd love us to pray for these children. The Bible says the prayers of the righteous avails much. So as we pray together, I believe that it will make a difference in the lives of these children. I've got Mary here, M-A-R-R-Y. I don't know whether we're going to call her Mary or... but they've called her Mary. And she's from the Philippines. She lives with her father and her sister. And um, she's 13 years, 14 years old now. And she needs a sponsor. So we want to lift up these children before you, Lord, and we pray for them. Your word does tell us that the prayers of the righteous avails much. 
And so we lift them up before you and we pray for them and we say, your kingdom come and your will be done in their lives. May they be released from poverty in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, God's good. Aren't you glad? I am. Because if it was bad, I'd be in big trouble. Um, it's been an interesting two and a half, three years, to say the least. We've had um, the world pandemic, the COVID-19. Um, we've had Russia invade Ukraine. We've had um, language that spoke about nuclear threats that we've not heard for a good while. North and South Korea at uh, loggerheads, which has been ongoing for since 1950. That's when um, compassion came into being in South Korea during that conflict in 1952. Um, Everett Swanson began the work of um, compassion. We've had China making it clear Taiwan belongs to them. We've had conflicts and uprising in uh, Syria, Ethiopia, Sudan, Somalia, Burkina Faso, Chad, Iraq. The list just goes on. We've had floods and fires. We've had climate change, record temperatures. I was born in England and I was there until I was nine years old and uh, they've had um, record temperatures in summer of mid-30s. When I lived in England, summer was for about half an hour and that was it. Um, we've had talk of inflation, cost of living, interest rates, energy costs to rise 30 to 50 percent. And uh, with recent news headlines, is there's unprecedented resignations in the Australian workforce. People are resigning from their jobs looking for a better alternative. So uncertainty can produce insecurity. The good news in all of that is that Jesus is still on the throne. He sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. It tells us in 1 Peter 3 and also in Psalm 100, God is still in control. Don't panic. I've read the back of the book. I know who wins. So we've got to navigate through these situations by faith. Ephesians 6.10 tells us, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Build ourselves up in the word of God. And so, if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of Mark 12. It's going to be up on the screen, I think. And we'll see if the clicker works from here. Um, Mark 12.28-34. to 34. Look at that, beautiful. And this is Jesus um, talking with one of the scribes. He's just been questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees about taxes, about the resurrection from the dead, because the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they did not believe in the resurrection. And uh, Jesus had just answered them, and it says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, with the, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. See, the scribe was a lover of the Word. They studied the Word. They were fanatical about the Word. They were very passionate about the Scriptures. They lived and breathed the written Word. Masters of the Hebrew Lord. They copied Scriptures onto parchments. They copied down what was spoken by the prophets. They were sold out to the teaching of the law. He was so impressed with Jesus' answers that he asked Jesus this, the most important question, which is the first commandment? What is the priority in life? And we've got to ask ourselves that same question, what is the priority in life? And Jesus responded in a very Jewish, respectful way. He spoke out what's called the Shema, quoting from Deuteronomy 6.4, and the Shema is... Even to this day, when the Jewish people come together in the synagogue in the morning prayers, they'll speak out the Shema. And the Shema is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Revelation. That's what they were praying for, revelation. To have the revealing that God is one and God is complete, God is holy. The holiness of God is that God is complete. He doesn't need anybody, he doesn't need anything, he is complete in himself. However, by his grace and his mercy, he's allowed us to come in to his truth. You see, we all need revelation. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've received revelation. In Matthew 16, Jesus said to the disciples, Who do men say that I am? And some say Jeremiah, another says one of the prophets raised from the dead. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock, what rock? The rock of Peter? No, the rock of what Peter got. That was revelation of the truth that Jesus is the Christ. The priority in life, hear this, O Israel, pay attention to this, obey this. Yahweh, I am that I am, is your God, and he is complete. To have spiritual ears to hear, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and the foremost commandment. Now, if Jesus had to stop there, it would have been brilliant because to love God is wonderful. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah. The next part of the question is the tough one. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving people is the difficult one. Come on, don't make me feel alone here. People are a challenge. Now, I know that there's nobody in this congregation that's a challenge. I've spoken to Pastor Neil. <laughs> love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. <sighs> you see, the kingdom of God is not about our religious gymnastics or the hoo-ha, and as the scribe put it, all the burnt offerings can be put in its place, but the important thing is to love God and to love one another. You see, you and I are called to relationships. The kingdom of God is about relationships, not about religious hoo-ha. Come on, you don't seem too um, enthralled with that. Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. See, first of all, it's important to get our own identity right, who we are, and to love yourself. However you feel, whether you feel good or whether you feel bad, has got nothing to do with what God says about you. You cannot live your Christianity on what you feel like. Come on. Look, I, I really love feely people. There's some people that feel God all the time and they sense God and I'm pleased for you. I don't. In fact, Carol says, my beautiful wife there, says that I don't have many feelings sometimes. <laughs> I don't know where she gets that from. but um, you and I cannot live our faith according to what we feel like. We have to live it according to what God says about you and I. And your identity is found in what God says about you, not by what you feel like. And what God says about you and I is that we are valuable. Come on. That you are precious. That you are created in the image of God. There's no other person like you in the world. There's just one. You are God's little snowflake. Isn't that wonderful? But let me say this. We only want one of you. Don't try and make somebody else like you. Be who you are for God's kingdom. You see, people will stay in the church because of relationships. People will leave your church because of relationships. Relationships are critical to the kingdom of God. The scribe said to Jesus, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. Relationships with God and with people is more important than all the burnt offerings, sacrifices, and religious hoo-ha. And Jesus then said to the scribe, You're not far from the kingdom of God. You're starting to get it. You see, we are here for our community 
so that, and I think somebody said it earlier, so that the community can get a sense of belonging. And they can only get a sense of belonging through relationships. People relating to you and I. And I need help. Is there anybody else here that needs help? Well, two or three voices out there. Well, I do need help. I need, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to have the love of God pouring out of me. You see, when, when I came into the faith, when I took that step of faith, what God did inside of me was He filled me with His Spirit and He also changed my faith, hope and love into the God kind of faith, hope and love. See, every human being has faith, hope and love inside of them. Come on. When you take the step of faith and you come into the kingdom of God, the Spirit of God deposits the God kind of faith, the God kind of hope, the God kind of love inside of us. And you have all you need now to become all that God wants you to become. Because you have a mission on this planet. And it's not just to exist. You have a purpose, a big purpose. And that is to be you for Him and love people. Come on, it's not rocket science. The, the, too often we've complicated the gospel. The good news is this. When you die, there's life afterwards. How good's that? Not only that, you're going to get a new body. Yeah, come on. 1 Corinthians 15. What a beautiful chapter that is. It talks about the resurrected body. A body that's immortal. You see, this body is wearing out. You wouldn't believe I'm 39, would you? That wasn't meant to be funny. Well, no, I'm not. But this body is wearing out. In fact, I got up this morning and I had oh, these aches and pains and I'm thinking, where's that come from? And then I looked in the mirror and I thought, who the heck's that? Can anybody relate to this? Oh, you're all so fit in Darwin, that's your problem. It's all the good weather you got. But the, that's the good news. This is the good news, that there is life after death. And you and I will be resurrected, according to the Bible. Either, if this is not true, I'm holding up my phone because my Bible's in there. But if this is not true, then we're, we're, this is all vanity. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then what we're doing? There is resurrection, and that's the good news. But we're not just waiting here for Jesus to return or for us to wear out our bodies and then die. We're here for a purpose. We're here to see this church filled with people having a sense of belonging and in relationship with God and relationship with one another. Jesus in his prayer when the disciples said, teach us to pray. He said, okay, this is how you pray, our Father in heaven. 
And he goes on and then he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You see, it's about relationships. And in a congregation this size, we've all had bumps and troubles and challenges and you might be going through some today in relationships. But you are called to forgive. Come on. You're called to forgive. It might be a spouse, it might be a relative, it might be a child, it might be a workmate, it might be a neighbour. But you and I are called to forgive because we're called to relationship with one another. Love your neighbour as yourself, but love yourself first. Understanding who we are. I'm created in the image of God. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in this magnificent specimen that you can see before your very eyes. And I'm in the image of God. My spirit is the image of God because God is spirit. When Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well in John 4, she said, oh, should we worship God here in Samaria, Mount Gennesaret, or should we go to Jerusalem, Mount Moriah, and worship him there? And Jesus said, neither. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit and in truth. I have a soul. You see my soul expressing itself. A soul and spirit are very close, but they're different. Hebrews 12 says, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the joints and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. They're very close, but they are different. The spirit is the image of God, the life force in me. My soul is my self-expression, how I express myself. And I live in a body, and you've got to look after your body. No matter how spiritual you are, if you don't look after your body and it conks out, it's good night, nurse. You're gone. Come on. Can't go around saying how spiritual you are, and then you're unhealthy. I'm not telling you off. <laughs> I just want to, I'm only here for a short while, so I'm going to lay it on you and then go and let Pastor Neil clean up the mess. See, God is with us, but we're here for relationships. We're not called to be hermits. Some people say, um, oh, I'm just called to be on my own. No, you're not. Now, and I'm not saying that you've got to be the life of the party. And I understand there are some people that are shy and, and they're not outgoing, that's fine. Still be who you are. But you are still called to relationships. You are not far from the kingdom of God, Jesus said to him. And I need help. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
So often we want the power of God to see the sparks flying from my fingertips. But the power of God is there to help us love one another. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The world needs to see the church as lovers, not as the moral police force, the morality police force, telling people what they should and they shouldn't do. We're here to love. Now, I'm not saying that we should condone bad behaviour, but that's not our job. Our job is to love people. Jesus, when he comes back, is going to be the judge. We're all going to get a new hairdo when he returns. Boing. People stay in the church because of relationships. People leave the church because of relationships. People connect to the church because of relationships. Build your culture, and I'm sure you are under Pastor Neil and Joe, that you're building a culture here that's one of belonging and love. Don't get the microscope of doctrine to fight one another. You can discuss and wrestle with the Word of God. That's good. It's good to wrestle with the Word, but not at the expense of relationship. Come on. There's been so many bust-ups. And listen, the church is under pressure at the moment. We've all heard of the massive connection with Hillsong and what's going on there. And, and, the, and the, the ripple effect goes through the nation. But God is bigger than this situation. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to the power that works within us. In us, we have the power to overcome. In Him, we can do all things through Christ who does strengthen us. There's people in this church that have been hurt and not dealt with it. You know, I've heard, how many times you heard the testimony, I got hurt in church. Get in the queue. What's the problem? Get hurt in church, oh, what a surprise. Why? Because it's full of people. Broken ones, like you and I. But we're called to love. That's the power of the gospel. Forgiveness is powerful. We get to heaven not because of being good. We get to heaven because we're forgiven. Come on. The world, it makes me smile, the world says, oh, he was a good fella or she was a good woman. They'll be up there. No, you don't get to heaven by being good. Got nothing to do with it. Forgiveness is why I'm going to heaven. Because I'm a bad boy. Come on, don't make me feel alone. <laughs> you know, you, we got the Ten Commandments to reveal our brokenness. Somebody said to me, I live by the Ten Commandments. I said, good on you, wish you well. I don't. It's just a mirror to me to my own brokenness. 
I think God could have done it with one commandment. He could have just said, thou shalt not bear false witness. If you've ever told a lie, lift your hands. Come on, if you've not lifted your hands, you're a liar. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. This morning, I want us to be able to be released from the hurt that people have caused us. You may have been hurt. You might be carrying that hurt right now of what somebody has done. In the name of Jesus, be released from that. Forgive. And if the sun sets you free, you're truly free indeed. Because the power of forgiveness can overcome the power of unforgiveness. Release yourself from the hurt or mistakes you put on others. His grace, his love, his forgiveness. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is good. He's made a way when there seems to be no way. I want us just to contemplate for this moment. This might be a defining moment for some. Remember, Jesus said uh, two commandments. Love God with all your very being and love your neighbor as yourself. We've got to get clean. We've got to get free. If you don't, it just grips you. It holds you. It's satanic. Satan is a liar. He's a very good liar. But that's his business. He's a liar. Now, let me just qualify something about Satan. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. He's fast, but he's not everywhere at once. Only the Holy Spirit is. So generally, you will not get a visit from Satan himself. You'll get a visit from demons. Now, I don't want to spook anybody, but there are demons in the world. We know that? Yeah. But the Spirit of God is omnipresent. The Spirit of God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and all-knowing. Satan isn't. But what he does like to do is just feed us enough stuff to keep us separated from one another. And the gospel is about forgiveness and coming together in relationships. Can I just take this moment as I finish to give that opportunity for loved ones here to be free? might be something that's been years ago, or it might be something last week, it might be something yesterday. But you can be free from that through the forgiveness of God.
and your relationship can be right again. Listen, that doesn't mean you can get walked all over, and it doesn't mean that that person that you've forgiven has changed, but you will be changed on the inside. That's the promise of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we know that you are a good God and that you've called us to love you and you've called us to love one another. Lord, our prayer is by your Spirit, release us from any unforgiveness Let us be free. We forgive those that have trespassed against us. And we release people from the hurt that they've caused us. With every eye closed and head bowed, it's important to Make a action, because faith without action is dead. You might be here this morning and you've never received forgiveness yourself. The forgiveness that comes through Christ and that you can be brought into the kingdom of God through that forgiveness. If that's you, I want to encourage you to say a prayer that goes something like this. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. I want to love you and love people. I receive you now in Jesus' name. And you say amen to that, the Spirit of God will come in and bring you into the kingdom of God. I also want to say a prayer for those that are loved ones that are in the house, that know the things of God, but they've been stymied by a broken relationship. Now, this is not a quick fix, but this is a step in the right direction to say, God, I want to forgive those people. I want to forgive me. Help me. Set me free in Jesus' name. Set me free in Jesus' name. Now, with every eye closed and head bowed, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I want you to lift your hand though, from up towards heaven as an act of faith to say that I'm free. God bless you, God bless you. 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 Father, as you see these hands raised, we receive that forgiveness. We release that person or persons Jesus said, I've come that they may have life 
and have life abundantly. We want that abundant life in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to encourage you. This is a great church. You've done so well in moving from, I remember when you were across at the school there and you've moved into this great facility. But there's more to be done now. May God energize you, fill you to overflowing. And may you see the kingdom come and his will be done in your life and in the lives of those loved ones.